Hey everybody, welcome to Let's Fix Work. I'm Lori Rudiman. On today's episode, I'm speaking with JT O'Donnell. She is the founder and CEO of a website, of a movement, of a community called Work It Daily. Work It Daily is one of the best places on the internet to go if you are looking for work and you want common sense and effective career advice. JT is not going to steer you wrong. She's focused on brand, she's focused on community, and she's focused on the best ways to get your resume, your skills, your bona fides in front of hiring managers. So if you're looking for work or you know someone who needs a job, this is the episode for you. Sit tight and we'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work and JT O'Donnell. Work is broken. So is the way you think about it. Host Lori Rudiman is breaking things down so you can put them back together and make work something you can enjoy. Let's fix work together. And now with the Let's Fix Work podcast, here's Lori. Hey, everybody. Lori Rudiman here, and I'm here with my dear friend, JT O'Donnell. JT, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me here, Lori. I am so thrilled that you are a guest on Let's Fix Work. You are a big get, if only because I've admired you for so long, and I love your media empire. So can you tell us a little bit about all the great things you're doing for job seekers out there? Yeah, but first I'm going to tell all your listeners that I was a complete geek when you reached out to me because I was equally <laughs> excited. So you're way too humble. I've been a fangirl for a really long time. So lots of love going on here this morning. <laughs> oh, sure. that's so great. Thank you so much. Well, tell us all about how you help today's job seekers. Yeah, definitely. So I'll back it up a little bit and say that I was in HR and recruiting for a lot of years for people that don't know me. And I always tell people that if you ever see the show movie, I should say Up in the Air with George Clooney where he goes in and lays people off. That was my job. That was my last job before I left corporate America. I probably laid off hundreds of people and uh, got really good at it. And during that time, essentially became a career coach because I just wanted these people to find jobs and be happier and you know, told them you're going to be better off. And uh, that really is where I got the idea to become a career coach. So I did in 2001. I left corporate America and started a private practice. And right around 2008, I saw the recession coming and I said, you know what, there's something we need to do here at scale. And I'm sure we'll talk more about that later. But that's what launched a blog. I said, hey, this blogging thing seems like a good idea. People are jumping on the bandwagon. And right along the same time, I said, oh, let's try this Twitter thing and see if we can't get people on Twitter to have conversations and drive them over to the blog. So that's literally how that started in 2008. And you know, it turned out to work because people really needed cutting edge career advice, not the same old stuff. How are they going to figure this out? And we've just focused on it from there. It's nonstop trying to build the awareness around the fact that, you know, the advice that you were given in school and probably from parents or whoever else is not the right advice. And that's why you're so miserable. And we're going to try to help you fix that. I love it. I love it. So you have truly a media empire. You have a community, you have a website, you have a blog, you have media properties. So tell us a little bit about those resources so listeners can go right away and find those sites. Definitely, definitely. So our site is called Work It Daily, and we get over 2 million visitors to that site every single month, and it's full of career advice. So workitdaily.com, super easy to get to. On LinkedIn, you'll just find me as JT O'Donnell on LinkedIn and I have about 2.5 million followers on that platform. So I'm always pushing stuff out literally every hour around career development, job search, et cetera, on that as well. And then you'll find us on all the traditional social media. So work at Daily Insta, work at Daily on Twitter, 
And then our biggest thing that we launched and really got focused on in the fall of last year is YouTube. So I tell people, if you're looking for one place to go right now, go follow us on YouTube because we're producing content three times a week. There's a huge amount of archives there. You can sit there and just binge watch career advice and basically send yourself back to career school. I love it. You know, I use YouTube to learn how to cook stuff. That's really what I use YouTube for. Whenever I need to figure something out in the kitchen, I'm like, oh, why am I looking at a cookbook? I'll just go to YouTube. I know. It's amazing. You know what turned me on to it? I am going to credit my kids because I didn't realize how much they were learning from YouTube. They watch YouTube, but they're obsessed with learning stuff, how-to stuff. And so I'm like you. And now I go to YouTube for everything. I have a question and I want to learn something fast. It's unbelievable what's on there. So that just hit a nerve for me and said, wait a minute, who's doing career on YouTube? And there really wasn't anyone. So. Amazing. Amazing. Well, listen, you're on the show because I think we agree that there's a problem with the job search out there. And I see from my perspective, a lot of ageism, sexism, ableism. So I wonder if you agree with me that the job search and work in general is broken. Yeah. You know, it's such a good question. I think the job search is definitely broken because people are going about it the wrong way. The rules changed and they didn't know. I wonder if work is broken or if it's just evolving. I just look at how much work is changing and that we haven't adapted to it yet. So maybe we can call it broken as well. But I would definitely say job search is broken where recruiters and hiring managers aren't using the right tools and job seekers aren't as well. And I tell people what I see is that there's a branding issue. Employers don't know how to brand themselves in a way that attracts the right talent And talent doesn't know how to brand itself in a way that makes that hiring manager go, oh, they're the person we're looking for. And it's really a business problem. If both companies can learn how to market themselves better, right? You know, the job seeker is the service provider and the company is the vendor. If they just got better at the brand and explaining the message, we would see this problem resolved. At least we're seeing that problem resolved. So we're, you know, we've started a membership site and people come in and they work with a community of peers as well as private coaches. And what we show them is that when you market yourself to an employer, you will get results. At first, they never believe it. And then it happens and they go, oh my gosh, it's like a light bulb clicks off. That employer just needs me to tell them why I'm a member of their tribe. They need to get excited about me as a candidate. And that's not going to happen on an ATS system with my resume. I've got to learn how to go around the process. I've got to get in front of them. The process is broken. So I'm going to build a new process. And when I do that, that employer is going to get excited about me. On the flip side, the employer needs to know what to put out there so that the job seeker can get excited about them in the first place and say, hey, here's how I feel connected to you. And so we still need those employers. And we're working with companies on a daily basis now around getting their message out so that those job seekers will then say the right things to them. Does that make sense? It to- <laughs> okay. totally makes sense. So um, let me ask you this, because I have had guests on the show who talk about the recruiting industrial complex. And I think there is a myth out there that you need to work through recruiters in order to find a job. So can you talk a little bit about what recruiters do and what place they fill and maybe how they don't fill jobs in America? Yeah, I feel sorry for recruiters today because basically the job has become very regimented. So make X number of calls, do X number of reaches. You know, you've got to measure your activity. They've taken that sales activity approach. And that doesn't work for most people. So I feel bad for recruiters in that respect because they're always hustling. Have I found the right person? Do they check all the boxes? Because I can't put them in front of this hiring manager if they don't. That's where the whole thing is wrong for me. I think the best recruiters that I know have really grabbed a seat at the executive table. And they've said, look, 
this is how it's going to work. I'm going to figure out what you need. I'm going to go find those right candidates. You're going to trust me and we're going to take them through the process together. And no, they're not going to have everything that you asked for on your list, but we're going to figure out what's most important to you and why. And then that's the person we're going to get. Recruiters that are high level manage expectations. They take ownership. They take that seat at the table and they expect nothing less. They don't get pushed around. I know that sounds terrible, but I, I see so many recruiters just getting pushed around by their employer. And then they're saying, I can't meet my numbers. Well, of course you can't because it's unrealistic and it can't be done. And you're allowing that to happen to yourself. So you've got to get your seat at the table. You've got to set expectations and say, this is what I can do. And this is what I can't do. And this is how you have to meet me in the middle. But if job seekers are doing their job right, they don't need recruiters. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, that's the really fascinating part. Yes. So here's a great example. I recruiters say to me all the time, I don't recover letters. I don't recover letters. Okay. The cover letters that we teach our job seekers to create, we tell them go around the ATS and get it in the hands of a hiring manager because I guarantee you, you will get a job interview. While I can't give you hard numbers, I'm telling you like 70% of the time this works. That's how crazy it is. Because that hiring manager wants the story of how you feel connected to them. And when they see that, they're like, this is the person I have to interview. Well, that's fantastic advice, but there are people out there who are listening who I know are skeptics and say, I can't get my cover letter around HR. I can't get past the recruiter. It's like a roadblock. So quick and dirty advice on how to do that, how to find that hiring manager. Yeah, right now I'll give you two free tools you can use. So one of them is called recruitin.net, R-E-C-R-U-I-T-I-N.net. What it allows you to do is search for people's LinkedIn profiles, but using Google, because we all know if you're using the free LinkedIn platform, eventually they'll say you can't search anymore. So this lets you get around that. So you literally can put in the company name, the job title, and you'll find the name of the person and you'll find their LinkedIn profile. Then try a tool called hunter.io. They'll let you look up to a hundred email addresses of people for free every month. So I just have all of my members finding the person using recruiting.net, finding the email address and sending them off to them directly and saying, you know what? You've never met me before, but enclosed is the story of why I feel so deeply connected to your company and why I'd love to earn a chance to interview for the XYZ position. That's it. That's all the email says. And the cover letter is attached in the resume. And that's it. And we call them bucket list companies when people, okay, who are you going after? Who's on your bucket list? And every day in our community, somebody's like, just got the interview from the bucket list company, told me it's the best cover letter they ever read. So you just have to get it to that person. That's fabulous advice. And I think about all the job seekers out there who have been working for five, six, seven years and who are now in this market suddenly of looking for a position. And this has to sound like ancient Arabic. <laughs> you know, like this is not the way the job search was done in 2008, 2010, even 2012. There are all these new ways of connecting to your future employer. So it does. Can you tell me how the job search has fundamentally changed from even five years ago, six years ago, and what the expectation of the job seeker is today? Yeah. And so I'm laughing when you say that because I'll tell you the story about the guy last week wrote me a note. He said, Okay, we joined your program. My wife and I watched the cover letter thing and both agreed it was the hokiest, silliest thing we'd ever heard of in our lives. We've been, you know, professionals for many years, haven't had to look for work. This just sounded absolutely embarrassing. But we figured what the heck, because I've been looking for my work for a year, what the heck will give it a try? He said, three out of the four companies on my bucket list, I sent the cover letter to as hokey as I thought it was responded to me. And I just got my dream job. So that's just one example of you have got to let go of everything you've ever thought about job search in the past. If, and you know, a great example is you and I remember when job boards first started, what a brilliant idea. Let's put a job posting out there and let people who match apply. And then it got crazy. 
Now everybody just sits and applies for anything under the sun. They stuff us with, you know, hundreds and thousands of applicants, most of who are not qualified. So then we build a system to weed out the people that aren't qualified that also ends up weeding out the people who are qualified. And now we just keep building these walls between us and the human being. And when you create that many walls, it gets really hard for them to even see what you're about. So that's where this distance and this inability to market ourselves to one another has been created between job seeker and employer. So people really need to understand that. And if anything, you have to think about yourself. I say this all the time to our members. You are a business of one. Let me give you a great example. A new store opens up in your little town and you drive by it one day, go, oh, that's nice. There it is. But you never get any marketing material on it. You never know what they really do. And you drive by it all the time. And all of a sudden, a few months later, you see it's closed up. Do you feel sorry for them? No, because in the back of your mind, you're saying, I didn't do any marketing. They didn't find me. They didn't compel me. They didn't draw me in. So, you know, that's what happens. That is what you're doing when you're sitting and applying onto ATS. You've created none of that marketing. You've done nothing. All you've done is, oh, put your sign out. And when you're competing against hundreds of thousands of people, you're not going to get seen. In fact, you know, studies show only 3% of people that apply online ever get a phone call because they're being weeded out. So job seekers need to understand that. Your whole process of marketing your business of one has to be completely different, especially if you want your dream employer to talk to you. So I think about how many of my friends who are looking for work sit online all day long and spend time on Facebook, LinkedIn, even Instagram, looking at you know employer branding videos and really find that they're just in their basement all day online applying for jobs. So is that the missing piece, the marketing piece that people aren't getting? Exactly. Yeah. You should not be spending eight hours a day on your job search. (laughs) Not at all. That's not good marketing, right? So what we have you do is think about this. Part of the reason that's so unfulfilling too, is it's sort of like going to the used car lot and being told, find your dream car, but you have to pick from here. And they're all old jalopies and you're not excited about them. How excited are you going to be about your car no, buying experience? That's miserable. Yeah. So that's what people are doing in job search. They hate job search. People hate job search. Of course you do because the way you're looking for work is so painful. It's, you know, like having teeth pulled with no Novocaine. So what if you did it this way? What if you said, huh, who are the 20 companies I would like to work for? And why do I want to work for them? Not because you heard they have great benefits or they're a great place to work. What about what they do really excites you? You get an emotional reaction when you think about the product or the service that they provide. Create a list of 20 companies where you have an emotional reaction to their brand, to why they exist. You have essentially just created your bucket list. Now target your efforts. Now get on LinkedIn and say, who do I know that knows somebody there, right? Weak ties. They say 80% of all jobs are gotten via referral and it's usually through weak ties. So basically, I want to work at Google. I get online and find out my good friend, Lori knows, you know, someone at Google, not in HR, not in recruiting, but someone at Google. I go to Lori and say, Lori, I'm obsessed with Google. Here are the reasons why I think their products and services are amazing. Would you introduce me to so-and-so? I'd just like to get a sense of what it's like to earn a job there someday, right? You go, sure. No, no big deal. Boom. That's how that whole process starts. And, you know, we never ask people for jobs. This is the other thing. People are so intimidated. I don't want to reach out to a stranger on LinkedIn and ask them to connect with me and ask them for a job. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling you to say, Here's why I think your company is amazing. I'm so impressed that with your background and how you got there. Can we chat? Can I hear about what it took to get there and what it took to earn a job there someday? Everybody wants to help people with that. You know, that's the key. And you just manage your expectations. You say, gee, if I get one out of five people at that company to actually connect with me and respond to me, all it takes is one. 
And once you've got that foot in the door, now you've got your way to get in front of the hiring manager. And you know this happens all the time, every single day, but only to the people that know how to do it. JT, this is fabulous advice. And one of the things I'm struck by is how often people give career advice and how often people don't listen. Do you have any insight as to why that's happening in our world? Like everybody's giving career advice. Yeah, it is. It's funny. I mean, your whole family, everyone will give career advice. And I think the first reaction we have is how are you qualified? You know, when's the last time you looked for work? And oftentimes that's why the advice is so bad is because they would look for work a decade ago and they're like, you're not applying to 200 places a day and you need to go hand resumes out door to door, you know, that kind of horrible stuff. Um, So that's one reason is that our suspect from the source. But secondly, deep down in our gut, we know that if it doesn't feel good or doesn't feel right, there's probably something wrong with it. So when I talk to people and I say, when you sat online for six months, and spent 55 minutes per application online, only to never hear back. After about the fifth time, did you know something was wrong? And they say, mm-hmm. And I said, so why'd you do the next 50? Because <laughs> well, someone told me to do it, right? So yeah, it's bad advice, just bad right? advice, right? Yeah. And so now we don't trust any advice. And that's probably our biggest hurdle to growth for our company is people are so skeptical because they've gone and got horrible advice from so many sources that by the time they come to us, they think, okay, there's no way this is going to work. And so we said, well, we'll make it so cheap (laughs) so that you'll come in and try it. (laughs) And then you'll realize it works. Because at this point, that's the only thing I could do. Well, as we wrap up the segment, I know you feel empathy and sympathy for job seekers out there who are skeptical. So can you tell us a time in your career when you've been given really good advice and you've ignored it? Yeah. Yeah. So the best advice I was ever given was this idea of figuring out your passion and intersecting it with a problem that's bigger than yourself, right? So really early on, I was told, you know, go find out what you care about and, you know, what problems out there in the world are really big that need to solving with your passion tied to it. And I kind of stuffed that down. And I think it was because I was being given advice, like you got to establish yourself. You've got to build, climb the career track. You've got to earn your credibility. And looking back, I should have just done that, but I didn't. I went the normal career track like everybody does and ended up in mid-career crisis at 33, just like everybody else. But look at where you've landed now. I mean, you've reestablished yourself, you found your passion and you're doing it. And that's my point to everybody is that once I figured out that advice was accurate, I went for it. And I'm so glad that I did. So maybe I needed to not take that advice for a while to realize that it was accurate. But um, that is the one piece of advice I can tell people is when you really focus on that, everything aligns. It's amazing how it falls into place. What a gift. Well, everybody, in the second segment, we're going to talk to JT O'Donnell more about the job search and the future of work. So sit tight. We'll be right back with more Let's Fix Work. Hey, are you ready to podcast like a pro? then you need a secret weapon, someone who can make it easy, where all you have to do is show up and be the host. At One Stone Creative, that's what we do. Everything. Yeah, everything. Imagine, every time you sit down to record, you know what your topic is. You want a script? We can do that too. Then you record it, drop it in a folder, and that's it. Our team will take it from there. Production, show notes, uploads, blog posts, social media assets, swipe copy, like I said everything. Book a call with the podcast strategist today. Just go to onestonecreative.net slash podcast. That's onestonecreative.net slash podcast. And we'll take it from there. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I'm Lori Rudiman, and this is Let's Fix Work. And I'm here today with my dear friend, JT O'Donnell. JT, how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me. This is so much fun. 
I'm so excited to have you. And listen, in this segment, I'd love to talk about community because I think that is the hot topic for 2018. Everybody is super focused on community and you've got a thriving one online. And I'd love to know the history, how it started, where it is now, and where is it headed? Absolutely. So, you know, it's really interesting. Community is something that I was always really passionate about because I knew that when you're learning, it's better to learn with others. So when I was a career coach and I was working one-on-one with people, it really bothered me. I didn't feel that it worked right. And I actually feel traditional career coaching is flawed in that respect. You would spend several hundred dollars. We'd set an appointment. We'd have this motivating hour together. Then you would go off on your own and be all alone and things would happen and you would hit roadblocks and you would lose your motivation because you were alone. And so when we were thinking about how do you change how coaching works, this idea of community was at the forefront. We said, here are all these people we're working with one-on-one individually. They're all having the exact same problem. They all feel completely isolated. Why aren't we putting them all together in one place, letting them talk about it, letting them support one another? And then at the same time, when they have roadblocks, letting them get the right answers at the right time, because that's what's going to move them forward. So does the community work? Because I see so many communities that start with just passion and vigor and vibrance and then fall apart. And it seems like you've hit on something where it's working. Well, and I'll tell you an interesting, distinct difference. We have a free community on Facebook, already has, you know, 40,000 members in it. And we started it six months ago. In that group, I'll be honest, I find people to be more negative. They are, I'm going to dare I say whiny at times. That's going to sound really harsh. Hey, that's Facebook and, though, right? Right. Yeah. And that's my point. It's not constructive. Now come into a paid community. And this is what I think the future is about. A paid community is I'm investing a little bit of money every month. So I'm going to come in there and there's going to be some guidelines and there's going to be some rules. And I will tell you no negativity in the paid group, nothing like that. These people are interested in getting ahead, helping one another they feel part of something special. So I think for me, I recognize that was a distinct difference. We also have ground rules, right? You know, you post something negative, we're going to call you on it. And the community calls each other out. They really do. But they're so positive and supportive of one another that it becomes, I think, addictive for them. And then they're in sharing their successes, you know, high-fiving each other. And it's just an unbelievable dynamic. I'm so excited about that because we know social media, now that we've used it long enough, we know the negative effects of it. And I believe that community is social media for good. So if you're going to spend an hour on Facebook liking and looking and feeling bad about yourself, why not come over and spend 10 minutes a day and work it daily with a bunch of like-minded people who are positive, learn a few things and feel good about yourself the time that you spend on social media. And I think that's the difference. I think we're going to see social media evolve into these thriving, positive communities where people are moving forward. Well, I hope so. I think about the hallmark of good community for me, and it's well-moderated. It has adult voices, and maybe there is a roadblock. But what's good community for you? Is it people doing peer-to-peer coaching? Is it the high-fiving? What makes a community just a winner community? So first of all, I think a, a good community is one that's engaged. So people are participating. You're not just a lurker. You're not just sitting there observing. You realize you have a responsibility to participate. And participation means asking great questions and getting people discussing. You know, I tell people, imagine if we were all in a room together, would we all just sit and look at each other? No, we would talk, we would connect. So to me, I feel like there's an obligation of get in there and at least once a week, start a conversation somewhere or comment on a conversation, participate. That's big for me. Engagement is huge. Engagement, it is, absolutely. And I think your point about adult voices is key. I think we can have honesty. I mean, if you're having a bad day, then you're going to want to share about that bad day and that's okay, but still be constructive and think about what you're saying and why you're saying it and be open to the feedback of others. 
So once you put your thoughts out there, you have to be accepting of all forms of what comes out. So that's another big piece of it versus dismissing. I don't want to see any dismissal of that. So those are two for me. So when I think about the job search, I think about it as a singular activity, again, because I'm 43 years old and that's how I did the job search. And going into a community means that I need something. There may be shame around it. I may be embarrassed about my life situation. So how do you overcome that? Like, how do you get people who are suspicious of community to say yes and open up? It's so funny you say that. There is still a stigma, right? I can't believe there's a stigma with career coaching. When I first became a career coach by 2002, 2003, I was out and friends would make fun of me. You left corporate America to become a career coach. It's kind of a new age hokey. And then the next day I'd get the phone call. Can we talk in private? Of course. I think it's generational though. I'm going to be honest with you. So people of older generations feel that it's a form of therapy and therapy means you're damaged. And it's not. Whereas the millennials, which we have many of them, have been raised on coaching from a young age. They have been coached and they don't see it as a sign of weakness. They see it as a path to greatness. So I'm very hopeful because I'm already seeing signs of that turning. And I believe the next generations, my kids' generations, they understand athletes, three or four coaches, executives, all of executive coaches. So why can't we? If you want to win, you have to have a coach. That's how it works. And why we haven't figured that out yet, I don't know. But again, there is a stigma and we have to overcome it. But I feel like it's generational related. Yeah, I think you're right about being broken, at Mm -hmm. least my generation, Gen X. I mean, we do have a stigma around it. Do you find that there is some generational uh, collaboration and communication within your community? Are millennials drawing people out? Like, is that really happening in front of you? Or do you see the community bifurcated or split among different generations. You, the the age thing goes out the window inside the community. That is the most amazing part. People aren't thinking about it all. They're sharing their stories and their situations and people are chiming in and saying, I'll take any information you've got. Here's the thing. When you decide to invest in your career in something like this, you want results. And so you're going to stop dismissing what you hear and you're going to listen to it and you're going to hopefully give it a try. And that's really the difference. Again, that's why I think paid community is going to become important. I think we're all going to start to join more and more paid communities because we'll invest more in them, right? And we'll get more out of them. So when I think about the future of work, I know that the future of work looks like robots. It looks like automation. But beyond that, it also looks like more freelance work, more solo entrepreneurial work. The gig economy is a real thing. So within your community, what are you seeing as trends for the future of work? And does it address all of them? Yeah. So there's two major trends we're talking about right now. First of all, is um, there was an economic indicator that came out this week that has predicted seven out of the 10 last recessions. And it has to do with confidence from a global scale in terms of business and what we're seeing. And we've been predicting this for a long time. There is a market correction coming. There's a course correction. People need to be aware of that. They need to be thinking strategically about what's going to happen. Is the company they're working for sound? You know, those sorts of things. Are they prepared? Is their network in good shape in the event they walked in one day and they didn't have a job? So that's one trend we're heavily focused on. And then the second one is this globalization. We were talking about discrimination, right? There's just all these different forms of discrimination. And what I don't think people understand is the next form of discrimination is going to come from globalization. And I'm already seeing it. So wait, wait, can you explain that? What does that mean? Yeah. So um, I had an employer just this week say, look, JT, here's my reality. I can hire three PhDs in Europe for the price of one PhD in the US. Hmm. So guess where I'm going to hire them? Because we are all working virtually now. They're so excited to work. They speak three languages. They have all this extra information. We don't understand in America in particular how much trouble we're in with this globalization because we're out of whack. We're in the top 1% of the price point. 
And as we get bigger, they can go elsewhere. And people are not realizing that, not thinking about it. So that form of discrimination is coming much faster than people realize. So how do you prepare for that? How do you prepare for globalization if you're in New York City or even Paducah, Kentucky? What do you do about that? Brand, 100% brand. You know, people don't get how important personal branding is. You have got to make sure that there is a platform and that it's very visible, the problems you solve, the pain you alleviate, how you do it, that needs to be out there in some form. So LinkedIn is a great place to start. But when you've got brand, you've now need to network. Does your existing network know what you do? Like a great question would be, if we put a hundred people that you know in a room and ask them all, what do you do for work? Could they tell us what percentage? If it's not a hundred percent, then you're not branded properly. Oh my God, JT, wait, I have that problem. (laughs) A lot of people do, yeah. Right. And so people say, well, how do you do that? That is the beautiful part about social media, that you have the ability to brand yourself by sharing things in your feed related to what you do for work. And if you do that consistently, think about it. How do you know that I'm a career coach? Because all I do is put stuff in my feed about career advice and how to help you. And so we need to do that because we will then become the subject matter experts and companies will always need to hire the expert and then a few other people to go with it, right? So you have to be thinking about that and evolving yourself constantly in order to get there. And that is just a new reality. If you want that level pay, if you want that income security, branding is your future. My goodness. Branding is the message of the day. Well, as we wrap up this segment, I wonder if there's one final message for listeners, one piece of advice before we sign off that you can give to my community, my nascent growing community, to help them really think about their job search or really reframe the future of work for them. Definitely. My simplest piece of advice is that it all comes down to mindset. If you are loathing job search, if you're hating this whole thing and you're frustrated, you're really not going to get far. What you need to do right now is take a step back and find some way to get excited about the future and what's possible for you. And I would suggest that that comes from a lot of self-discovery and inventory. I find that when people inventory their strengths, what they're about, and start to define their brand and what they want to market about themselves, they get excited, right? And so if you can do that and you can start to think about companies that you love and admire, as we talked about earlier, those are the first two steps towards fully changing your mindset around job search and being more positive. And then once you're more positive, I can't tell you everything falls into place, but my guess is if you're loathing job search right now, It's the mindset you've got to fix first. Amazing stuff. So skill inventory and your mindset, great way to end the show. JT, can you remind us again where everybody can find you and your community? Definitely. So please, everyone go over, check out workitdaily.com. You'll learn more about us. Our YouTube channel is Work It Daily as well. Please subscribe over there and hit me up on LinkedIn. You'll find me, JT O'Donnell, you know, in forward slash JT O'Donnell on LinkedIn. I would love to connect with you there as well. So great to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for helping my dream come true in podcasting. Oh, thank you so much, Lori. Great to be here. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. You know I love to brag about my friends. I also like to listen to them. And right now, I'm listening to Jennifer McClure, host of the Impact Makers podcast. Jennifer is connecting with leaders across all industries to figure out how to make a difference at work and in the world. Here's what she's got going on. I believe strongly that each of us has the ability and the opportunity to positively impact people through our work and through how we choose to live our lives. The truth is that you've already impacted people in this world, even if you haven't been trying. I love what Jennifer has to say. And if you like what you're hearing right here on Let's Fix Work, you'll love what Jennifer's talking about on Impact Makers. So go to jennifermcclure.net 
forward slash iTunes and subscribe today. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I hope you enjoyed this episode with JT O'Donnell. Boy, I love that woman. I've been a fangirl for over a decade. And it's not lost on me that some of the best writers and career advisors started in human resources and actually have a career kind of like mine, where they went all over the world and laid off people and they couldn't do it any longer. And they are now driven by a sense of service. So if you are looking for work or you know someone who's looking for work, connect with JT O'Donnell on LinkedIn and make sure you check out her community called Work It Daily. And while you're at it, why don't you connect with me? I'm Elle Rudiman, or Let's Fix Work, and I'm all over the internet. I would love to hear from you at hello at letsfixwork.com. Let's Fix Work is a production of One Stone Creative, and I work with three fabulous individuals, Gerson Lafleche, Audra Casino, and Megan Doherty. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast player. And don't be afraid to drop me a line at hello at letsfixwork.com. Now that's all for today. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll see you next time on Let's Fix Work. Thank you for listening to this episode of Let's Fix Work. Wouldn't you love to get your hands on Lori's no-holds-barred, honest HR handbook for employees and pros alike? Download it for free at lorirudiman.com slash DIYHR. 